Good afternoon. Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. This afternoon's episode is titled, My People Are Destroyed for Lack of Knowledge. It shall be focused on a study of Hosea chapter 3 and 4. Before we go any further, we begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we see, Lord, the lack of knowledge among the people, for they have forsaken your word and have gone for cunning fables and ideations of men. We pray, Father, may you bring us back to your gospel today, like the ministry that you sent to turn our hearts back to the fathers. May your Holy Spirit have the right of way in our lives today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Hosea chapter 3 and 4. Chapter 3 Then said the Lord unto me, Go yet, love a woman beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love flagons of wine. So I bought her to me for fifteen pieces of silver, and for an homer of barley, and an half homer of barley. And I said unto her, Thou shalt abide for me many days. Thou shalt not play the harlot, and thou shalt not be for another man. So will I also be for thee. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, and without a prince, and without a sacrifice, and without an image, and without an ephod, and without teraphim. Afterward shall the children of Israel return, and seek the Lord their God, and David their king, and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. Chapter 4 Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. By swearing, and lying, and killing, and stealing, and committing adultery, they break out, and blood toucheth blood. Therefore shall the land mourn, and every one that dwelleth therein shall languish, with the beasts of the field, and with the fowls of heaven. Yea, the fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. Yet let no man strive, nor reprove another. For thy people are as they that strive with the priest. Therefore shalt thou fall in the day, and the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. As they were increased, so they sinned against me. Therefore will I change their glory into shame. They eat up the sin of my people, and they set their heart on their iniquity. And there shall be, like people, like priests, and I will punish them for their ways, and reward them their doings. For they shall eat, and not have enough. They shall commit whoredom, and shall not increase, because they have left off to take heed to the Lord. Whoredom and wine and new wine take away the heart. My people ask counsel of their stocks, and their staff declareth unto them. For the spirit of whoredoms hath caused them to err, and they have gone a-whoring from under their God. They sacrifice upon the tops of the mountains, and burn incense upon the hills, under oaks and poplars and elms, because the shadow thereof is good. Therefore your daughters shall commit whoredom, and your spouses shall commit adultery. I will not punish your daughters when they commit whoredom, nor your spouses when they commit adultery, for themselves are separated with whores, and they sacrifice with harlots. Therefore the people that doth not understand shall fall. Though thou, Israel, play the harlot, yet let not Judah offend, and come not ye unto Gilgal, 
Neither go ye up to Beth-Avon, nor swear, The Lord liveth, for Israel slideth back as a backsliding heifer. Now the Lord will feed them as a lamb in a large place. Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him alone. Their drink is sour. They have committed whoredom continually. Her rulers with shame do love, give ye. The wind hath bound her up in her wings, and they shall be ashamed because of their sacrifices. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Brenham titled Souls That Are in Prison Now. This was preached in 1963 on November the 10th in the morning. We'll begin at paragraph 35 up to paragraph 112. I trust you find it to be a blessing. Now, this souls now in prison, souls that are now in prison. Now, the soul of man is not the body of man, it's the soul. And the soul is something that's uh, the nature of the spirit. And then when the nature of a man, when he said, we are dead, the scripture plainly tells us that we are dead and our lives are hid in God through Christ, sealed there by the Holy Spirit. Now, it wasn't that your body died. It wasn't your spirit died. It was the nature of your spirit died, see? The nature, which is the soul, the nature of your soul is, uh, is God, if you're born again. If it's not, it's of the world. Anything that begins has to end. So therefore, the only way that you can have eternal life is to have a life that never did begin. And then your life did begin when you were born, when God breathed the breath of life into your nostrils and you became a living soul, then you began then. But when you, that nature that was in you, by nature you was of the world, alienated from God, you were actually an animal. That's exactly right. Anyone knows that we are a mammal. How many knows that? We, we are a mammal. We are a warm-blooded uh, animal. But that is what we are by our earthly creation. But you see what made us different from other mammals? That God put a soul upon us. See? Now, the other mammals don't have to wear clothes. No other animal has to wear clothes to hide his shame but us. We're the only ones that does because we have a soul. But, see, God in the beginning knew what a man would be like, and he created the earth and brought up all kinds of animals from the very lowest to the highest, and the highest animal come forth was man. And then first man was made, he was a spirit man. In the image of God, which God is a spirit, St. John 4. Now, he is a, a spirit, and they that worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth, and thy word is the truth. Now, we worship him in spirit and truth. He is a, a spirit being. Then there was no man to till the soil, and then God formed man out of the dust of the earth. Then he taken from his side a byproduct, a rib, and from that separated this man which had a dual nature, which was both feminish and masculine. And he taken the feminish out because it was love. And he placed it into a person called Eve, that Adam called Eve, which was his wife. That's where his love, natural, uh, a filial love, held to his wife. That's where a man should be today. And her back to her husband. The man, the masculine, the woman, the feminist. And then, see, Adrian Dunn made man in his own image. 
created he them, male and female. There was no man to till the soil, and he put him in the dust of the earth. And therefore he become, he was that man. This human man was mammal. See? He was animal. But he put this spirit of God alive into him and made him on the uh, basis that he could make a choice. And then when this man, now we think we're something. Just remember, what are we? A clot of dirt. That's all. And because dust thou art, dust thou shalt return. So when you see uh, this man walking down the street, thinks he's somebody, you know, and got a little education, thinks, you remember, it's a clot of Indiana dust. <laughs> that's all. And that woman that's all dressed in shorts and smoking cigarettes and carrying on down the street, twisting like she owned the whole country, it's a clot of Indiana dust. And that's the way it's turning back. <laughs> So you're not very much to begin with, see? So that's right. That's what you are. But that soul that's in there, that soul is what God's working on. If He can only get that nature, that spirit, to agree with Him, then that nature dies. The nature and the love of the world dies and the things of the world's dead. See? Because... If you love the world or the things of the world, the love of God is not in you. See? And a man must be born again. So this nature has to die and the nature of God comes and lives in you. And God is the only thing there is that never did begin or never can end. So therefore, he has partnership, you see, and taken this man earthly and this eternal spirit and put it together because God reflected himself back in that that he become a man when he become Christ Jesus and he was God. See? God was in Christ. That's it. Lived in him, reconciled the world to himself and through that perfect man, each one of us imperfect that believe in God and accepted that becomes the perfection of him and he never left his body see corruption, neither did he leave his soul in hell, but raised him up on the third day and he's alive forevermore. And we will have a body like His own glorious body. That's why we're baptized into His name, that we might come forth in His name, in His death, in His resurrection, that we rise again, testifying to the world that we have new life, that the old man is dead. We buried that first nature. That first nature is gone. And now we are the nature of Him. He lives in us. And we don't do our own will. We do His will. We don't think our own thoughts. The mind. The mind is what thinks. The mind that was in Christ Jesus is in every believer. See, there, there is the soul. And that's what we're speaking of. Now, that's the part that I'm thinking of now. That that's within us, the soul. Now, if we notice in this, there's many things that happen sometime and we wonder why they happen. And we question ourselves and we question others. But finally, after a while, we find out that if we're Christians, it all works out just right. Somehow you've seen that. All Christians see that. We wonder why we did it. I wondered sometime when I first read the Bible, why did God let Abraham, that great man, ever stand there and say that Sarah wasn't his wife? And how did he let him stand there and lie about that? And the things that he did... And then, how did he ever let Abraham leave the promised land where he told him not to leave? Any Jew that leaves the promised land is backslidden. Because God gave that to him and promised him to stay there. See? And they left it. So he went down into Gerir, 
But if it hadn't have been for that, and then Amalek, that king down there in the Philistine country, fell in love with Sarah and was going to marry her and was a good man, a righteous man. And after he probably, this sounds ridiculous, but to make it so real to you, after he had his evening bath and put on his pajamas and said his prayers and went to bed, the Lord appeared to him and said, you're just as good as a dead man. And the man had done nothing. See, he was absolutely deceived by both Abraham and Sarah. That's right. He said, you've got another man's wife. See, and I, I won't hear your prayers. No matter how much you pray, you're as good as dead. But that man is my prophet. See? It's hard to understand that. See? But if it wasn't that, we wouldn't know what grace was. Why did he go and marry Hagar after having a lovely wife like Sarah? And he didn't want to do it. See? But Sarah told him, and then the Lord told him, you listen to what Sarah told you. Why? There had to be an Ishmael that the bondswoman and her child would not be heir with the free woman and her child. See what I mean? All these things are types. Why did that prophet have to marry a prostitute and have, with these children, have two children by her as a sign? Why did one lay on his right side for 340 days and then laid so many days on the other side like that as a sign? One stripped his clothes and walked before the, uh, Israel. And I, all those things, it was types and shadows, see? And we have to have those things to fill in. And many times things happen to us that we wonder why it is. It's God for showing us something. Amen. As a little boy, and you know my life story, I uh, always believe since I can first remember, one of the first things that I remember, now this, uh, you might have told me something yesterday and I'd forget it by today. But there's some things back that happened in our young days. Many of us are that way that we always remember. And this sounds almost ridiculous to say this, but I remember when I was crawling with a long dress on. Little babies, some of you people my age would remember that uh, babies used to wear real long dresses. And I remember crawling and, and dipping snow off of my uncle's feet and eating and when he come in and was standing by the fireplace. And then the next thing I remember taking place in my life was a vision, the first one I ever had, and told me I would live a big portion of my life near a city called New Albany. I was a little mountain baby up there, not even a doctor when I was born. And, and I, I, you know, the, I've lived here around 50 years right here. A vision. And then how I always knew there was God somewhere. And as a little boy, he spoke to me, never to smoke or drink or defile my body. That's running morally with women and things. I had always had a dread of it and uh, was a young man. And then I was out hunting one time, which seems to be a second nature to me, to love to hunt. And I was out hunting with a boy, uh, Jim Poole, lovely kid. I think his boy comes to church here, little Jim and fine family of people. I know the Pools. Jimmy and I slept together and lived together since we were little boys in school. We're about six months apart in age. And Jimmy let his gun go off and shot me through both legs, real close to me, the shotgun. I was taken to the hospital. And there, laying there, dying. No penicillin or nothing in those days. And I, they had a rubber sheet under me. And I know that night they was going to operate the next morning. They just took and cleaned off the wound and big pieces of flesh blowed up and they take scissors and cut it off and I had to hold a man's hands and they had Frankie Ike just recently committed suicide and um, I had to hold and pry my hands loose from his wrist when, when they got through I screamed and cried and holding on to 
like that uh, and then cutting that part of the leg off. I was 14 years old, just a boy. And that night, I tried to go to sleep and they, I woke up and something splashed. And here was blood, nearly a half a gallon, I guess, had come from them veins. And the, they'd taken an x-ray and they said the shot was laying so close to that artery on either side that just a little scratch would cut it right in two and I started bleeding. Well, I thought, this is the end of me. And I put my hands down like this and raised it up, blood running down my hands. It was my own blood I was laying in. I called, rang the bell, the nurse came, and she just soaked it up with towel because there's nothing they could do. And the next morning, under those weakening conditions, they didn't give the blood transfusion in them days, you know, so they, they operated on me. And they gave me ether. And when I, oh, the old ether, I guess you remember, it's the old anesthetic. And under that ether, when I came out, I was coming out of the ether after eight hours. They had to give me so much, they thought I... I wouldn't wake up. They couldn't get me awake. I remember Mrs. Roder stood by me out there in the hospital. I'll never forget that woman. No matter whatever happens, I can never forget her. She's just a young woman, and her husband was superintendent uh, down here at the car works. And um, I, I remember she standing by me, her and Mrs. Stewart. And they was the one, actually, that paid my hospital bill. I, we didn't even have food to eat in the house, so how could we pay a hospital bill of hundreds of dollars? But she, through her church society and the Ku Klux Klan, paid the hospital bill for me. Masons. I can never forget them. No matter what they do or what, I still, <laughs> there's something that stays with me, see, what they did for me. And they paid the bill to Dr. Reeder. He's still living. Lives here in Port Fulton. Could tell you the story. When I come out from under that ether... There's something happened to me there. I've always believed it to be a vision. Because I was so weak, and I, they thought I was dying. She was crying. When I opened my eyes and could look, I could hear her talking. And then I went back to sleep and woke up two or three times. And then I had a vision then. And then I had about seven months later, I had to go and have shotgun wads and greasy hunting clothes taken out of my legs. The doctor didn't get it. And so I had blood poison. Both legs just swelled up and doubled back under me. And it won't take both legs off at my hips. And I just, I said, no, just come higher and take it off up here. I just couldn't stand it. See? And so finally, Dr. Reeder and Dr. Pirtle from Louisville performed the operation and cut down in there and taken it out. And today I got wonderful legs by the grace of God. But on the, the last vision that I had, the first vision when I come to, and then I went into this trance, and I thought I was in hell. Just this plain. Uh, all right. Somebody lay your hands on her and she'll uh, probably get her to the air. Uh, Ever who's standing there, lay your hands on her. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, may our sister who is sick this morning and she's fainted in the room. May thy grace and strength and power, these hands laid upon her now, representing you. And the scripture has said, These signs shall follow them that believe. If they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. And now may our sister uh, come out of this sickness and be made well for the glory of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask it and commit her to you. Amen. Amen. Now, 
get her to the air. It's, it's awful stuffy. I can feel it here real, real bad. It's this fainty feeling in, in, here in the platform. I felt it four or five times here. If as soon as she gets a feeling a little better, well, get her to where she can get to the air. That's good. Uh-huh. See, it's just so awful stuffy. You know, human beings create, uh, each one of us, so many square feet of just uh, a sickness. Yeah, somebody has some water there or something to put on the sister. She's, she's too all right now. So, uh, all right. Yeah, maybe if you could open up the doors, maybe, or give just a little bit of air as much as we possibly can in some way, you see. Now, in this time, as I had this uh, vision, and thinking that I, I had passed from this life into torment, and seven months later here at the Clark County Memorial Hospital, I had the second operation. And at that time, when I come out, I thought I was standing out in the west. I had another vision. And there was a great golden cross in the skies and the glory of the Lord flowing off of that cross. And I stood with my hands out like this and that glory was falling into my chest. And the vision left me. My father was sitting there looking at me when the vision came. I've always felt you, all people know me all these years knows I've always wanted to go west. You know how it is. It's always been something to the west. But because an astronomer told me one time the same thing, that I should go west, uh, the stars, when they cross their cycles and so forth, I was born under that sign, and I'd never be a success in the east. I'd have to go west. And last year, I took off west uh, to fulfill what a lifetime's desire has been, see, to, to do it. While I'm there, it's the most ridiculous thing, sitting out there in a the desert, paying $110 a month rent, and here's a house sitting up here, a parsonage furnished to me. But it's following the Lord. See, that, that's all I know to do. And you know the visions and what has taken place out there. Now, now in this, I want to say to Now, if our sister is, feels a little weak, Brother Roy, and she want to get her out somewhere, set her in a room over here where she get more air or something, and that's perfectly all right. Because um, I feel that she'd be all right. Now. See, it's, it's okay. She's just faint. He's sick. And um, so um, uh, I, I tell you, uh, if, she, if you want to bring her over here where the air, uh, raise these windows, Brother Roy, and the sister wants to come through, that, that'll be fine. See, if she wants to, to come over here with this, don't fear that. I want to lay hands on her when she passes by. Amen. Amen. Y'all excuse me just a minute, and God forgive me. That's, that's right. Heavenly Father, this your daughter here sits here this morning and she's come to hear the message and got Satan's trying to beat her from it, but he can't tell uh, it. In the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, you talk about stuffy. You ought to get in some of these places overseas where they're just piling on top of another leprosy and cancer and Oh, my, you can't hardly get your breath, you know, and things like that. Laying them great big buildings just contaminated with, with diseases. And you know what leprosy would be? They're laying there with no ears and half their face eat off and no arms and little pegs for feet and things like that. Laying piled on one another. Many of them dying right then, laying out there from piling on one another, trying to get in somewhere, you know, to hear the message. And um, now, now in this, i tell you what happened. In the vision that I had... I'll go back because I brought that the two visions in to show you about one of them. I was to be out west. I've always longed for that. And now the purpose of the message this morning is to post the church and everything that he'll let me post the church to as far as I know until the 
uh, as I go along. And this struck me, so I wanted to post the church. Now, this is to this tabernacle only, see, to here. Now, and in this vision, the first one, here's what's taking place. After the vision struck me, and I was so weak, and I lost all that blood, and once I thought I was sinking into an endless eternity. Many of you have heard me tell this before. And, and sinking into an endless eternity. First I was going through like clouds, and then through darkness, and sinking on down, down, down. And the first thing you know, I got into the regions of the lost. And in there, I, I screamed. And I looked, and there just everything, there was no foundation to it. I could never stop falling. For eternity, it looked like I was going to fall. There's no stopping nowhere. And then, what a difference it was from the vision I had here not long ago of being in glory with the people. The contrast. But in this, as I was falling, I finally... I, I screamed for my daddy. Of course, being just a kid, that's what I would do. I screamed for my daddy. And my daddy wasn't there. And I screamed for my mother. Somebody catch me. There was no mother there. I was just going. And I screamed then to God. There was no God there. There was nothing there. And after a while, I heard the most mournful sound that I ever heard. And it was the office feeling there's no way even a literal burning fire would be a pleasure to the sight of what this was. Now, those visions has never been wrong. And it was just one of the most horrible feelings I ever had. And what did I heard a noise sound like some kind of a, a, a haunted affair. And when it was, I looked coming and it was women. And they had green stuff. Yes, you just see their face. And they had green stuff under their eyes, and their eyes looked like run back, like a, the women today paint their eyes. Run back like that. And just their eyes and face, and they were going, oh, 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 oh. Oh, my, I just screamed out. Oh, God, have mercy upon me. Have mercy, oh, God, where are you? If you'll only let me go back and live, I promise you to be a good boy. Now, that's the only thing I could say. Now, God knows, and at the day of judgment, He'll judge me for that statement. That's what I said. Lord, God, let me go back, and I'll promise you I'll be a good boy. And when I got shot, I had told lies. I had done pretty everything there was to be done. Only one thing that I said, I might as well just clean it out while I'm right here now. And when I looked down and seen I was half bloating too almost, I said, God... Have mercy on me. You know, I never did commit adultery. That's the only thing that I could say to God. I never accepted His pardon and all these things. I just think could say I never did commit adultery. And then they've taken me out there. And then in that, I cried, God, be merciful to me. I'll be a good boy if you'll only let me go back. For I knew there was a God somewhere. And so help me, those wearied creatures all around, I'd just been a new arrival. In the most hideous, horrible, ungodly feeling in that uh, look like great big eyes and big eyelashes out like that and run back like a cat, like back like this and green stuff and like it cankered or something. And they were, they were going, oh, oh, oh. 
Oh, what a feeling. Now when I, then in a moment's time, I'd come back to natural life again. That thing has bothered me. I thought, oh, let it be that I'll never go to a place like that. No other human being will ever have to go to a place like that. Seven months later, I had the vision of standing in the West and seeing that gold cross coming down upon me. And I, I knew that there was a regions of the damned somewhere. Now, I never noticed it too much until about four weeks ago. The wife never thought of it in this terms. About four weeks ago, the wife and I went down to Tucson to do some shopping. And while we were sitting, the wife, we went in downstairs and, and there was a bunch of sissy-like boys had their hair red, you know, like the women does, and, and bangs combed down here in front and these real high trousers on, kind of, I guess the beat necks or what you call them. And they were in there and everybody's looking at them and their heads is that big like the women that wears these here uh, water head haircuts, you know. And they were down there and a young woman come by and she said, what do you think about that? I said, then you ought to be ashamed of yourself if you can think that. I said, he has just as much right to do it as you do. Neither one of you have a right. So I went upstairs and I sat down and when I did this, an escalator, it was in J.C. Penney's store and the escalator bringing the people up. Well, I really turned sick at my stomach of seeing those women come up there, young, old, and indifferent, wrinkled, young, and every way, with little bitty shorts on, their filthy body, and those sexy, dressed women with those great big heads uh, like that. And here they come, and one coming around that escalator is coming right up like that where I was sitting back in a chair, sitting there with my head down and I turned and looked and one of them coming up the steps was saying Spanish speaking to another woman she was a white woman speaking to the Spanish woman and when I looked all of the ones I was changed there I'd seen that before her eyes you know how the women are doing I paint their eyes just recently like cat you know put it up like this and wearing cat glasses and everything you know with eyes up like this and that green stuff under their eyes, there was that thing that I seen when I was a child. There was the woman, just exactly. And I just got numb all over and began to look around. And there was those people mumbling, you know, going on about the prices and things in the building. And I just looked like it. I just changed for a moment. And I looked and I thought, that's what I saw in hell. There they was, that canker. I thought because they were in hell, what made them that way had greenish-blue uh, under their eyes. And here was these women painted with greenish-blue, just the way that vision said about 40 years ago. Okay? Uh, about 40 years ago is what it's been. I'm 54. I was 14. So about 40 years ago, I, and that's the, the, that's the number, anyhow, of the judgment. Now, there was... I'd seen that, and I couldn't even speak to my wife when she comes. She's over there trying to get Sarah and the kids some kind of a, a dress or something for school, and I, I couldn't even I couldn't even speak to her. She said, "Bill, what's the matter with you?" I said, "Honey, I'm a, I'm almost a dead man." And she said, "What's the matter? Are you sick?" I said, "No, 
Something's just happened. Now, she don't know. She's waiting for this tape to return. I've never said it to nobody. And I thought I'd wait, as I promised, bring it to the church first. Bring it to the church. And that's my promise. And you'll realize after tonight, reason I try to keep my promise. I thought then, as I noticed them tankard-looking eyes on them women. There were the Spanish, the French, and Indian, and white, and all together. But that great big heads, you know, bushed up with that combs where they comb it back, way big, and then comes out, you know, you know how they do it, fix it in the, uh, like they do it. And then them canker-looking eyes, and the eyes with the paint that run back like a cat's eye. And them talking, and there I was again, standing there in J.C. Penney's store, Back in hell again. I, I got so scared. I thought, Lord, surely I haven't died and you've let me come to this place after all. And there they were making this ground like at a, in that vision, like you could just barely hear it with your ears, you know, just the mumbling going on people. And them women coming up that escalator and walking around there. And like, ooh, ooh. There's them green and funny looking eyes. Mournful. Wife come up and I said, just let me alone a minute, honey. I said, if you don't mind, I, I want to go home. And she said, are you sick? I said, no. Just go ahead, honey, if you got any shopping to do. She said, no, I'm finished. And I said, let me take you about an hour. See? I walked out. She said, what's the matter? I said, meaty. I, 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 something happened up there. And while I was under that, I thought this. What day are we living in? Could this be the third pull? Now, I've got some notes here. Jesus, we find out that Jesus and His ministry, after He had preached to the people, now we're going to be real scriptural on this, after Jesus had finished His ministry and His ministry was rejected by the people, now, you'll read between the lines. Draw your own conception. Remember what I told you at the first. After he had preached, he come as a promised one for that day. We all know that. The Scriptures identified Jesus Christ as Messiah. That's right. Thoroughly, firmly vindicated by God and His Word that He was Messiah. There's no question. Does anybody question it? If you do, then you come to the altar that he wasn't the Messiah. He was clearly identified as a Messiah. But after he clearly, uh, God identified him, as Peter said and on the day of Pentecost, uh, you know, uh, when he talked to the Sanhedrin there at four, about four days later, he said, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by signs and wonders which God did by him in the midst which we all are witnesses. See? You have talking by wicked hands and have crucified the Prince of Life which God has raised up and shown forth these things that you see. See? Christ lived on, of course, still is today. Now, after Jesus had clearly came, identified himself, God identified him, and he prophesied. And after the days of his prophecy, though scripturally identified, the people rejected him. That's right. And um, 
He preached then after they rejected him here, the ones that had a possibility of being saved. Remember, when he was preaching, there was a possibility of anybody being saved. We don't know who they are. They're predestinated. But he continually preached. But after the days of his preaching, his ministry continued on because the last group he preached to was the souls that were in hell that could not be forgiven. I've clearly read that from the Bible here from Second Peter. He went and preached to souls that were in prison, which is hell, locked up until the day of the judgment. Because, you see, the judgment isn't now. And there's no burning hell now. Somebody tell you the guy's in burning hell now, that's wrong. See, a judge of this earth is just enough to never condemn a man until he's brought to trial. And God will never throw a man into the uh, fiery furnace until first he is condemned by God's own laws. He rejected mercy. So, you see, he first has to have a trial, and the trial is a great white throne judgment. But now he's in a place called a prison house. As I saw the vision of both places, have by the grace of God, I say this not to be sacrilegious, and if it's wrong, God forgive me, I believe I've been in both places. In both places. And I've seen the redeemed, the blessed, and I've seen the lost and where they were at. And that's why I stand as your brother today to warn you to flee from that downward path. Don't you never go that road. And you've got everything to live for, that blessed upward way, where the redeemed are in joy and peace, and they can't sin, they can't, can't be sorry, they can't do, there's nothing, they're perfect. Seeing both places. I know that's an awful statement for a person to make, but God being my judge, I solemnly believe I've seen both places. I, I believe that. And oh, far be it from any person ever entering that regions of the lost. If you were standing with hot wires bored to you, tormented in every way, it'd be not like that devil torment there is in that place. There could be nothing. Could, human mind couldn't, the human mind couldn't comprehend what that regions of the lost is. There's no way to explain it. And there's no way to explain what the regions of the blessed is. It's so great. That's so horrible and this is so great. It's from the ridiculous to the sublime. So if anybody hears me, and I'm getting to be an old man. I don't know how much longer I got. I'll soon be 55 years old. And I, I don't know, according to nature, I may not have too many years. I don't know where this tape will go. Well, let everyone here, here in the tape or wherever it may go, don't never go towards that regions of the lost. You can't picture hell being that bad. And whatever you do, don't you never get any, uh, forget this, that the regions of the blessed, I would say this with St. Paul, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, or either could it enter the heart of man what God has for them in store, that loving. So stop if you're listening to tape. Turn the machine off and repent if you're not saved. And get right with God. As we get towards the end of this episode, we end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we see souls in prison held by the demons of this world, we thank Thee, Father, that You've taken us from the prison of this flesh and from a life of sin and have set us in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. 
We pray, Father, may you draw us away from our sins and iniquities and set us on the paths of righteousness that we may be found seeking thy will. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you. Gentle Lord